The following audio is from West Pines Community Church. For more information about West Pines, visit us at westpines.org. You can join us live Sunday mornings at 9, 10, 30, or 12 in Pembroke Pines, Florida, or online at westpines.org. Well, thank you so much, church, for joining us today. Glad to worship with you online. I love that song, especially in a season like this. We can still praise the Lord. We can still lift up our joy in who God is because we know that he is in control. We know he's sovereign. We know that he is fighting for us. We know that we already have victory in Jesus Christ because he is the conqueror. Let me just pray as we're lifting up this time of worship and just thank him for his victory. Jesus, we thank you that we know that you are in control. You are more powerful than any forces on this planet. Nothing can stop you, Jesus, and you are for us, not against us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that because of what you've done, whoever calls upon the name of Jesus can become a child of God, and the Heavenly Father will work all things together for the good of his children. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. We lift all this up in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Well, so glad that you've joined us today. We're going to jump right into a time of Bible study. So wherever you are joining us, maybe you are in a living room, maybe you are watching on a computer, watching on your device, glad that we can still join together in, in this way. And so just as we're starting, a couple things that I know I am thankful for in a season like this. Here's the first thing, peanut butter. I, for one, am thankful for peanut butter because, look, if I have nothing else to eat but peanut butter, I think it's like the superfood, first of all, because peanuts grow on trees. I'm almost certain of that. And so if they grow on trees, that means they're practically a vegetable. So check on the vegetable category. Also a great source of protein. You can put peanut butter on anything. You can put it on bread. You can put it on celery. You can put it on apples, bananas. If you have nothing else, you can just scoop your hand in there, provided that you've, you know, washed them very thoroughly. Okay, you can scoop your hand in there. Peanut butter, I'm thankful for peanut butter. Second thing that I am thankful for in this season is the game Old Maid. I have, we have little children at home, Rebecca and I, and we have played a lot of Old Maid lately. And the reason I love Old Maid is because I can almost for certain get my small children to pick the old maid out of my hand, I just guaranteed pretty much every time. And I get a small sense of accomplishment when I do that. I feel like, you know, some, like I've won in that moment. Please don't judge me. But that's one reason why I like old maid. Very grateful for that. And lastly, when all else fails, la- the other thing that I'm grateful for, grateful for is Disney Plus. As a fallback position, if, n- if there's absolute chaos and mayhem in the house, we've got Disney Plus. Just recently, we watched a Sleeping Beauty on, on Disney+, Plus, which my personal opinion is pretty much the exact same movie as Snow White. They're in a little cottage in the woods. There's a, a queen that hates them. Okay, just substitute out the fairies and put in the, the dwarfs, and it's basically the exact same movie. Anyway, we were watching Sleeping Beauty, and I was watching it, and it's pretty much the archetypal, archetypal fantasy fairy tale because you've got this prince that's saving a princess and has to overcome evil and has to slay the dragon to protect the princess. I mean, it is basically the archetypal fairy tale story, 
But I want to share a story. I want to show you a story today that is actually the foundation, the ultimate fairy tale story. It's the story that every other story is built on. In fact, I would go so far as to say every other story written is written because it's longing for this story to be true. I've got to share you this story. And the reason I'm sharing it with you today is because this story addresses something that may be on your heart. I know it's been on my heart, and I know that um, it's on many people's hearts right now. It's with the present circumstances we find ourselves in. How do we make sense of a moment like this? Like, how do we like, make spiritual sense of it? How, how, how do we kind of understand this in light of who God is and how all this operates? How, like, why, why do we have situations like this? This story helps us understand that. I want to ask you to open in your Bible or your Bible app to the book of Revelation. It's the last book of the Bible, and I want you to open to Revelation chapter 12. This is uh, one of the richest uh, chapters in the entire Bible, and it tells the story. Now, I'm going to warn you ahead of time. We're going to read through this. This chapter is so full of imagery and of biblical allusions through all over the Bible. We are barely going to scratch the surface, but I want to show you the basic skeleton of this story that all other stories are longing for, for this particular story. Revelation chapter 12, I'm going to start in verse 1. Here's what it says. Check this out. And a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and 10 horns on his heads, seven diadems, His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron, but her child was caught up to God and to his throne, and the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. Okay, a lot of imagery in there. That story might seem very strange. We're going to continue with the story in just a second. But let me just give some, some perspective to what all this imagery means. The basic skeleton of the story is there is a woman. She is pregnant and she gives birth to a male child. And this child is the promised child. It's, it's one foretold of who will reign over all the nations with a rod of iron. So he'll have a firm rule over all the nations. But there's a monster in this story. There's a great villain. It's a dragon. Now, if in your mind you're picturing the dragon like from Sleeping Beauty, uh, that is kind of a Western version of a dragon. It kind of looks like a dinosaur with wings. But remember, this was written in the ancient Near East. So think more in terms of like an Eastern dragon. Think in terms, it's usually like a long snake 
with like the head of like a dragon or monster on it, but it's usually more like a snake. That's kind of the imagery here. There's a, a dragon that's waiting to capture the offspring of this woman, this promised child who will become a king, and to kill it and devour it. He wants to stop this future king. Why? Well, to understand that, let's rewind back because basically that was an overview. Those six verses that we just looked at was an overview of thousands of years of human history. I want to take you all the way back to the Garden of Eden. God places Adam and Eve in this perfect garden. Everything is perfect. There's, there's no evil. There's no darkness. There's no hurt. There's no pain. So imagine what that would have been like. I mean, just think about Adam and Eve. Think about being in a place and in a relationship where there's no selfishness, there's no greed, there's no insecurity, everything, there's no pain, there's no, there's no tears, no sadness, no brokenness, everything is just perfect. I mean, imagine how unbelievable that would be. Adam and Eve are there in the garden that God made. Well, what came slithering into the garden but a serpent, Satan, serpent, a snake comes into the garden and he tempts Adam and Eve to, to rebel against God. They have this perfect relationship with God and he tempts them to rebel. They take the forbidden, forbidden fruit and they eat of it. Eve eats of it, hands it to Adam, he eats of it. And in that moment, rebellion and sin enter in. Wickedness enters into Adam and Eve and into the world. God appears and he stands before Adam and Eve and, and the serpent and he tells them the consequences of what they've done. It's, a tr it's the most tragic day in the history of the universe. And what he says to the serpent, this is the part that I want you to hear, what he says to the serpent is he says this, he, he gives a prophecy, this is the first prophecy all the way back in Genesis 3. He says to the serpent, I will put enmity, I will put war between you and this woman's offspring. And then God says, you will bruise the heel of the offspring, but he will crush your head. In other words, you will be destroyed. This dragon, this serpent, and what this passage in Revelation is describing is that all throughout history, that dragon, that enemy, that, that Satan, the devil, is trying to stop this great hero this offspring that will come down from the line of this woman, this offspring that will rise up and will crush the serpent's head, crush the devil's head, and destroy wickedness and evil for all time. So how does this play out over, the, over these thousands of years? How does this play out through the pages of the Bible? Well, we find out that this hero is going to come through the line of Abraham. And so that this great hero will come from the people of Israel. And then we find it's going to come out of Israel from the tribe of Judah. And then it's even narrowed, actually, from the line of King David. And then he's going to be born, this great hero, this promised one, will be born in Bethlehem one day. And at each turn, all the way through history, we see the serpent, the devil, trying to stop that plan from happening. How does that play out? Well, Israel one day finds themselves being oppressed by Pharaoh in ancient Egypt. He's got them under slavery. He's trying to destroy them. He even tries to kill all their babies at one point and trying to stop this plan of God's from happening. In fact, later in the New Testament, in the book of Isaiah and Ezekiel, they refer to Pharaoh as the great serpent. Why? 
The devil is using Pharaoh, the serpent is using Pharaoh to try and stop this plan from happening. But God saves them. Think about even King David. King David, from whom the line of this great promised king will come, he has a showdown with the great champion of the Philistines, Goliath, the great giant. And if you look back at how Goliath is described, he's even described, it sounds like a snake. He's covered with scales, but God empowers David to defeat Goliath. Once again, the enemy trying to stop God's plan from happening where a great hero will arise and will stomp out evil once and for all. One day in Bethlehem, one is born named Jesus. From the people of Israel, the tribe of Judah, the line of David, born in Bethlehem. In fact, something else interesting about that is that the claim is that he's born of a virgin. And what's so interesting, if you look back at Genesis 3, if I take you back to that verse, what God actually says is, he will put enmity, put war between the serpent. And when he says offspring of the woman, the actual ancient Hebrew word there is seed of the woman. And when you think about reproduction, just hang with me here for a second because this is powerful. When you think about reproduction in pretty much every culture and every language, the seed is always associated with the male. But here is this peculiar wording where it says the seed of the woman. How, how does this play out? Well, it would make sense if one day this hero was born of a virgin woman. In other words, there's no male involved. God is placing this child, this baby, in her womb. A virgin conceives a child named Jesus. And he has enemies, too, that try and stop him, the religious leaders of the day. And what are they called? They're called a brood of vipers. He calls them, you brood of vipers. They're the ones that eventually plot to kill Jesus. What does all this mean? Revelation 12 is showing you the spiritual reality behind the scenes of all the history of the universe. God has a plan to stamp out evil once and for all, and the enemy, the serpent, the dragon, the snake, Satan, has been trying to stop it throughout all of history. Well, how does this play out? Let's pick it up in verse 7. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down. That Watch this. That ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world, he was thrown down to earth and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ, the Messiah, his Christ have come for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God and they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony for they have loved not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heaven, and you who dwell in them, but woe to you, O earth and sea. Watch this. For the devil has come down to you in great wrath because he knows that his time is short. What happens? There's a war. There's been a war 
against the offspring, against, against God's plan. The enemy, Satan, the serpent, the dragon has been trying to stop God's plan. But there was one moment where the enemy, where the dragon was conquered. It was by the blood of the lamb. What happened? Well, that great hero, Jesus Christ, the son of God, the promised Messiah, God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, that great promised hero, he was wounded. So promised that the hero would crush the head of the serpent, but he would be bitten on his heel. So I want you to picture that imagery. I want you to picture you see a snake and you go to stamp out its head to kill it. And as you're going to kill it, it grabs onto your heel and it gets one last bite in. But in biting the heel, its head gets crushed. What happened? Jesus was crucified to a cross and he was wounded and he died on the cross. But that death actually turned out to be his victory and his conquer over Satan, the enemy, darkness, evil, wickedness, chaos, over death itself. He goes down into death and on the third day he rose again conquering sin and death itself, and he is victorious. Here's the good news. The devil, Satan, the enemy, has already been defeated. The moment Jesus died on the cross and rose again, the devil was already defeated. But look what it says. But now he is in fury, in wrath. He's flailing around knowing that his days are short. How does this play out? Well, let's just finish out this chapter, verse 13. And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to the place where she is to be nourished for a time and times and half a time. The serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with a flood. But the earth came to the help of the woman and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And he stood on on the sand of the sea. Now, obviously, there's so much imagery in there, and we won't have time to get into all of it. I just want you to basically see this one concept. The, the devil, the enemy, the dragon, is trying to make war on the offspring of this woman. In other words, making war on God's people, God's children. He is making war, but he's already been defeated. He might be making war against us. He might be wreaking havoc, but we have already won. We've already won in Jesus. It says by the blood of the lamb and the word of his testimony, he's already won. The only thing he can do to us is to get us to fear, wondering if, we, if we've won. His main tactics against us is to be a deceiver and an accuser. 
But what this is revealing to us about Jesus is that Jesus has already won. So the best way to fight back against the enemy is to believe that this is true. Christian, you are more than a conqueror as you stand today. If you are a child of God, then all of this will work together for your good and that is a guarantee. I want you to see this story. I want you to know where we're at in the story. Jesus has already won. The enemy might be wreaking havoc, causing all kinds of pain and hurt in this world, but we know who's already won, and we know that the enemy's days are short. That is the reality of our story. That is the one great story all other stories are longing to be true, that there is a great happy ending to this fairy tale. You know, sometimes we're, we can't help but wonder, like, Man, why, if God is a good God, if he's all-powerful, why do things like this happen? Why do, why do pandemics happen? Why do, why, why do difficult things happen? Well, here's what the Bible says. We're in a war. The enemy is flailing, furious, and wrathful because he's lost. But we're in a war right now. We're fighting a battle, and we have to stand firm. The enemy's flailing because he knows his days are numbered. But that brings to another question, okay, if, if, if his days are numbered, then why doesn't God just, why isn't his, his, his time over? Like, why doesn't God just bring all this to an end and bring about a happy ending sooner? Like, why do we have to walk through this battle? Well, because God is in the middle of a rescue mission. Right now, he, he's waiting. Even though he's won, he's waiting because he's in a rescue mission. He's calling souls out of darkness, in fact, you may be watching right now, and I believe there are some watching right now. You might be watching in a living room, on, a, on your phone, maybe watching on your TV. You might be watching with friends, with family, by yourself. You might be watching right now, and I believe today is the day Jesus is calling you out of darkness. You say, I don't know, darkness, I don't really feel like I'm in darkness. I mean, how do you know if you're in darkness? Well, the first thing you realize is, man, our eyes adjust to the darkness, you might say, look, I feel like I'm doing pretty good, but remember, the, one of the greatest tactics of the enemy is deception. What is darkness? Well, you know, right now, a lot of people are praying hard right now. In fact, a lot of people are calling out to God, God, please protect my family. Would you protect my finances, protect my health? God, and, and, and maybe a lot of people are looking for, you know, what do they barter with God? I mean, God, you remember, I'm a pretty good person, right? Like, I, I do good things. I helped out that person back in that, that one time, and I, I go to church sometimes. I mean, I call myself a Christian. I mean, I did the church thing when I was a kid. Like, you know, I, I don't hurt anybody. I'm pretty good. But if that's all we've got, we're still in darkness. See, we have a sin problem before God. God is a holy, perfect, almighty God and we have the sin in us, every one of us since Adam and Eve. We're stained by sin because what God is due is perfect, unblemished holiness. Never stained by sin. Perfect submission and worship to God. We have no grounds 
to pray to God on our own merit. It doesn't matter how much we pray. It doesn't matter how much good we do. It doesn't matter how sincere we are. It doesn't matter that our family's Christian, their, their ancestors were Christian. We've always been Christian. None of that matters. We have a sin problem. We are stained with sin And what we need is a rescuer. We need the light of the world, Jesus Christ. We need to realize who he is and let let him draw us out of the darkness. How does that work? I want you to imagine that we stand before God, all of us, our clothes stained with sin. I want you to imagine having a shirt that you're wearing stained with sin. And I want you to imagine Jesus in perfect pure white garments, a pure white robe standing before you. And what he does with all of your past mistakes, all of your past regrets, and this is what he does with all of us, he takes all of that stain, all of that sin, off of your garments, and he takes them and they stain his garments. And he leaves you in perfect, radiant, white, stainless robes because he took all of your sin off of you. In fact, they're stain resistant. What do I mean? He, when he came to earth, he suffered on the cross to pay for all of our sin, past, present, and future. We remain, if we put our faith in Jesus, we remain in a state of forgiveness. See, what Jesus did on the cross, the suffering and the wounds he took to pay for our sins, that's not something religion can fix. Religion can't fix our sin problem. Being good can't fix our sin problem. Being sincere can't fix our sin problem. Only Jesus can fix our sin problem. Put your faith, you can put your faith in Jesus today. In fact, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to put your faith in Jesus. And when we do that, when you say for once and for all, only you save me, Jesus, nothing else. You are rescued from sin and darkness. You get adopted as a child of God. He becomes, God Almighty becomes your heavenly father. He becomes someone who wants to hear your prayers and he's gonna protect his child and he's not gonna let anything happen to his child if it's not gonna work out for their good. Become a child of God by putting your faith in Jesus' day. You can do that and I wanna give you an opportunity to do that in a few moments. Now you may be saying, look, I, that just seems too good to be true. I mean, all of that salvation for free. You don't know what I've done. I mean, I've messed up pretty bad. I, I, I'm really stained. I've made some big mistakes. I feel like that just seems too easy. Just Jesus suffers and pays for my sins so I don't have to suffer. Well, see, that's the accuser speaking in your ear. That's the accuser saying you're not good enough to be worthy of what Jesus has done for you. And you know what? None of us are. But here's the reality No matter how big our sin is, the cross, the power of the cross is even greater. He has rescued you. In fact, I'm actually really, I'm wearing my my rescued shirt here um, today. And I'm I'm wearing this rescued shirt because this weekend is a a powerful, important weekend for us as a church. Um, Some of you know that this weekend is the last weekend we are operating under the name West Pines Community shirt, and I'm wearing one of my West Pines shirts, my rescue shirt. This is the last weekend we're operating as West Pines Community Church. Just a couple weeks ago, we announced something we had been planning for 
for years, talking about for months that we had been in the works of changing our name, and we announced a couple weeks ago that we are changing our name to City Rev Church, which what does City Rev mean? We believe our, our, our calling, our mission is to reveal who Jesus Christ is. And if we reveal who Jesus Christ is to our city, our city will be revolutionized. How do we know that? Because when we realized who Jesus was, not just some religious leader, not just a teacher, he is the hero, the promised Messiah, the Messiah, the savior of the universe. That revolutionized our lives. And so if we can show this city who Jesus is in all of his power and glory, we know it's going to revolutionize our city. And so this is the last weekend we are operating as West Pines Community Church. Starting tomorrow, we will, we will be officially, starting Monday, we will officially be City Rev Church. The next time we gather next weekend, we will be City Rev uh, Church. And uh, we were going to have our grand opening, but that's going to have to wait to be even a bigger party when we come back together for the first time, celebrating all kinds of things as City Rev Church as our grand opening. But we will be City Rev Church starting Monday. But to celebrate that, I brought all of my West Pines shirts here. I wanted to show you some of these just to kind of remember that even though we are changing our name, we are not changing who we are. And so um, some of you, we, we set, shout out on social media and told you to wear your West Pines shirt and so I'm wearing my favorite one, my rescue shirt. But I want to show you my oldest West Pine shirt. It's this um, orange shirt from 2006. It is our Fall Fest shirt. That's back when we had this fall festival in October that we opened up to the city and we, we did it as a way to reach out to children and families in our community. And, and why I, I loved the shirt, and, and there's some paint stains on it here because I've used it to paint in, to be honest, but that represents something that's always been true of us. We've always been about the next generation. Um, I, I have other um, shirts in here that are my, my kids' shirts. This one's the first um, the first student ministry shirt that I have is the first time we were called The Refuge. I have this shirt here. I've got old student ministry camp shirts in here like this one. I've got uh, this, this one from a retreat. This camp. I've got one here for the, the young adults. Here's a shout out to our young adults. We have always been passionate about the next generation. Nothing is going to change with that. Um, but I also love this shirt. Some of you may have this one. This one's going back a ways. This is our Flanathon shirt. We had an event built around a flan baking and tasting contest, no regrets. That was amazing, that flanathon shirt. And that revents, oh, here's our 80s block party shirt right here you can see. I've got some um, Christmas shirts or Charlie Brown shirts. Some of you have this. In fact, I, one of my favorite moments was there was a family in our church, their entire Christmas card was in this shirt. That was awesome. Um, I have this one from this past year. And I love these shirts because it shows part of our personality that's always been true and always will be true. We, take our, we don't take ourselves very seriously, but we take our mission very seriously. Um, I love this shirt right here. Check out this shirt. This one's old. This might be 2008. This is back when we hosted the Pembroke Pines Easter egg hunt. And why I love this shirt, it represents something true about our church. We have always been here to serve the city. It's not been about building this church and building what's in these walls. It's about reaching the city. And what makes me love these shirts right here, these are our Love South Florida t-shirts from the last couple years where we join with churches all over South Florida because something that we're passionate about is, is we are just a part of a larger church here in South Florida. All of the local churches make up the Church of South Florida and we partner with them to love on South Florida. I, I, love, um, I love these shirts right here. 
This is one of our slogans, you belong here, and we have it in English and in Spanish. Why? Because we're a church that we want to reflect our community and reflect heaven. We're from all nations and peoples looking all different ways, but no matter who you are, you're welcome here to hear. You're welcome to be here, a part of our church, to hear about who Jesus is. Because why? Because we love South Florida, and and we want to see South Florida get rescued by who Jesus is revealed to be. You know, I brought these shirts to share here with you that, you know, we, uh, we've always been the same. And I'll be honest, when I had envisioned celebrating the last weekend as uh, West Pines, this is not how I had envisioned it. <laughs> I had envisioned a big party, us being here, celebrating all that God had done through West Pines. But you know, there's a way in which this is fitting. You know, a couple weeks ago, we announced our new name. We're City Rev Church. We announced that on a Thursday night, celebrated it that weekend. And the very next week after we had celebrated it for the first time, the very next week, the coronavirus, COVID-19 spreads, and the very next week we have to go online. But you know, that's similar to other moments in our history. Rewind two years, 2018, February we launched the largest financial initiative we've ever done as a church. And we get up week one of our initiative. We called it our extravagant initiative. We got up and we said, we are going to, as a church, be marked by our extravagant generosity. Why? Because we love this city. And this is what we said. We said, there are forces of darkness at work trying to lay claim to our city. And we are not going to stand by and let it plant a flag for darkness and for evil in our city. And we said specifically, we're not going to let it lay claim to the next generation. No, we are going to give generously and be marked by generosity as a church because we want to see the mission and the kingdom of God move forward. We are planting a flag of the banner of Jesus Christ over our city. We, We said that week one. And that next week... On Wednesday was February 14th, 2018, and our community was never the same. One of the worst shootings in school history happened that next week, the Marjory Stoneman Douglas shootings. And our hearts were crushed. And we came together the following weekend, and we put a pause on the extravagant initiative, and we just came here and we wept together. And we said, how could we say that last week that we're going to be marked by extravagant generosity and do anything other than respond to the crisis in our community. And we said every penny, that that weekend we met, every penny given that weekend will be given to the relief at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in the wake of these shootings. And that's what we did. We we announced it that weekend, and the very next week a crisis broke out. Does that sound familiar? Well, rewind even longer than that. You know, West Pines Community Church was planted in September of 2001. The church met at Chapel Trail Elementary on September 9th, 2001. Had their opening service. Two days later, our country was was devastated by the terrorist attacks of September 11th. And the following weekend, the church was filled with people from the community looking for answers. See, church, there's something that's part of our story. The Lord has placed us here in preparation to serve our city. That just marks our story. And so there's a way in which this is so fitting as part of our story. We have been placed here, church, for such a time as this. 
We are in a war. <clears throat> We're in a battle, and we are going to stop at nothing to reveal Jesus Christ and to announce that he is victorious by the blood of the Lamb, and it's going to be our, the word of our testimony of who Jesus is. We're going to be here in this moment, and just like at every other point in our history, we are going to surge forward to reveal Jesus to our city so our city can be reached with the gospel and revolutionized. We're going to bring hope to our city. So church, Right now, in this season, as in every other season, we are going to continue forward. I, I want to challenge you, in this new season, like every other season, you stay plugged in, stay more consistent on the weekends, set aside the time on the weekends to meet together, set aside the time uh, at small group to gather together, set aside the time to pour into your children. Why? As you are leading your children spiritually, that is the most, that, by the way, is the intention. That is the most powerful thing you can do for the development of your children. Let's move the spiritual of our de development of our children forward. We're going to continue forward as a church meeting in our, in, every week. We're going to continue meeting in our small groups. We're going to continue meeting church with, 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 and, and raising up our kids. Church, we're going to continue innovating. If you haven't already downloaded your church app, do it right now on your phone or your device. Go to the app store and look for the West Pines Community Church app. In just a matter of days, it's going to turn over to the City Rev app. You can find it under that name too in a couple days. Download the app. That's where we're communicating. Be watchful this weekend. More in, this week, more innovation coming at you through our podcast. We are going to stay connected through as many ways in this season as possible. We're going to continue being a church marked by extravagance extravagant generosity. If, if, as you are continuing to give online, I want you to know we are going to use that to continue the mission forward and meeting the needs in our church and in our community. If you used to give in person, transition to giving online so that we can stop at nothing, seeing the work of the Lord go forward in our city because nothing is going to stop Jesus from building his church, not a pandemic and not the gates of hell. Church, we are going to continue moving forward in our mission. We are going to more aggressively invite the community in via digitally if we can't invite them in, in in person. Keep sharing church online. Keep reposting. Keep pushing the envelope in what you text about Jesus to your friends and family members because they're looking for the hope that we have. Why are we going to continue forward? Because we know Jesus is not going to stop. Church, let me give you the good news. Last weekend, the number of devices that connected to our services... And we know behind each one of those devices, sometimes we're whole families. The number of devices that connected to our services last weekend outnumbered the highest in-person attendance we've had so far in 2020. That means we probably last weekend reached more people than we ever have in a single weekend in our history. Why? Because our church, Jesus' church, is still moving forward. In fact, church, last weekend alone, Eight people that we know of got rescued by Jesus Christ. They indicated that they put their faith in Jesus Christ. That Christ, that's just eight people we know of. We are continuing moving forward. Why are we moving forward? Because this is what we know, church. We know that at any single moment, at any moment, we know what the end of the story is. Here's what it says. I'm flipping over a couple chapters in Revelation chapter 19. This could happen in any single moment. It could happen before I'm done reading this chapter. We know this will be the happy ending to this fairy tale called God's creation. This is what will happen. He says this, Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. 
The one sitting on it is called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself, and he is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the word of God and the enemies of heaven. Arrayed in what? What are they arrayed in? They're arrayed in fine linen, white and pure. We're following him on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written. King of kings and Lord of lords. Church, do you know who the great hero of all the universe, all of creation is waiting for the hero to arrive? It is Jesus Christ. He has already defeated the enemy, he is, and he is coming again in any moment. And even though the evil one may be, may be flailing about because he knows his days are short, it is only because he knows he is already vanquished and he is defeated. And if you are a Christian, if you've called on the name of Jesus, do you know what the Bible says about you? You are more than conquerors. You've been adopted in. You're a child of God. It is guaranteed this will work out for your good. Because your hero is one whose name is faithful and true. Jesus is with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He's with you, church. But some of you are today needing to be called out of darkness. It's not just calling yourself a Christian and doing Christian things. It's not being a good person. It's not being a sincere person. It's not that your family's Christian. It's that you have been rescued by Jesus. Be rescued today. How do, I, how do you be rescued? You just say, Jesus, I believe. You just say to him, and I'll lead you in this prayer in just a second. You just say, Jesus, I believe you and you alone Save me, not my works, but your death and resurrection on the cross washes away my sin, past, present, and future. You say, Jesus, I believe that that alone saves me. I put my hope in you, Jesus. And then you say, Jesus, you are my king. I submit to you. I surrender to you. I make you my Lord and my king. I will follow you with everything I've got. What are you putting your hope in? Is it government leaders? The medical community, your bank account, your own efforts, your own gifting. Can I give you something so much better to put your hope in? Put it in Jesus Christ, the victor, the conqueror. His hand is out to you. He says, come to me. Let him make you a new creation. Let him make you brand new, wash all your sins away and make you a child of God. You ready to take that step? Let me lead you in this prayer. If that's you, whether you're sitting, whether you're driving in the car, you're listening on your device, sitting behind a computer, watching with your whole family, I want you to just repeat this prayer to Jesus with me. Say, Jesus, thank you that you're strong enough to win. Thank you that you're strong enough to wash away my sins. Thank you that you want to save me. You love me so much that you died for me. I put my faith in you and I make you my king. 
Thank you for being on my side. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if that was your prayer just then, you were just born again. <laughs> you were made a new creation. What that means is right now, the spirit of the living God is at work inside of you. That's the greatest decision you could have ever made. God is with you. All sins, past, present, and future are permanently washed away, and your spot in heaven is guaranteed by the blood of Jesus. So if that was you just then, don't keep that, don't keep that quiet. If that was you just then, that, that's not a quiet thing. Jesus died publicly for you. Let's make that public. What I want you to do is right there on the screen, you can click and say, yep, that was me. Put your faith in Jesus. If that was you, then just click on the screen. Yep, that was me. Just do that so we can celebrate with you. In fact, I want to take it a step further. In the comments, I want you to come and say, I just put my faith in Jesus. Encourage those. There's others that, that may have made that, that same profession of faith, and you'll encourage them to be bold as well. And if you Put that in the comments. We'll follow up with you. We'd love to send you, if you give us your information, we'd love to send you a Bible, contact you, and encourage you because you're not in this journey alone. We're in this together. Church, let's cling to Jesus together. Here's what we're gonna do now. We're gonna spend some time worshiping Jesus. And so I, I want you to stay tuned in and I, I want you to worship now. And maybe that means, that here's what I do when Rebecca and I are sitting with our family in the living room for watching on, on screen, what we do is we just stand up right there with our kids and we sing together. We lift up our hands. Sometimes there's dancing. It can be a little chaotic, but we're in our own home and we're singing loudly to Jesus as a family. Maybe you do that. Maybe you're alone in your car. Sing out to Jesus. Maybe you're by yourself. Maybe you're not in a place where you can sing or maybe you just pray through these lyrics, but you need to hear these. You need to put these in your mind. Don't let the accuser and deceiver make you forget who is really in control. Let's worship together. Thank you for listening. For more resources and to check out other teaching series, please visit our website at westpines.org. If you would like to speak to somebody about beginning a relationship with Jesus or ask any questions you have about this teaching, please call at 954-432-0321 or you can email us at podcast at westpines.org.